Good morning and welcome to Convocation. I'm Beverly Lapp, Director of the Core Program and Convo Program Director. When Convocation Committee began planning for this semester, the committee decided we wanted to hear stories that brought the core value theme for the year, servant leadership, to life, but also felt we need to hear more from our international students at Goshen College. Celebrations around the world yesterday to mark International Women's Day and our own upcoming International Student Coffee House this Saturday situate this convocation at a time when we are more aware than ever of the important perspectives and experiences our international students bring to our campus. So I'm delighted that three students agreed to prepare um, to share today. They are Simelwe Lova. She's from the Eastern Cape of South Africa and is a junior informatics with a peace informatics major with a peace justice conflict studies cognate. She sings in women's world music choir as well as um, uh, other activities. Our second speaker, John Kasa, is from the south of Norway. He's a senior physics major who has been active on the tennis team. Because John is ill today, Salongo Gonchigzerin will read his prepared remarks. And then our third speaker, Sarah Azuni, is from Palestine. She grew up in Jordan and Dubai. She is a first-year nursing major with a pre-med um, focus. After we hear from Sim, Solo, and Sarah, please stay seated as we hear an announcement about this Saturday's International Student Coffee House. I invite you to give our speakers your full and respectful attention. Let's begin with Semelwe. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Semelwe Lova, and I was born in a small town called Umbu um, in South Africa. Um, I grew up in, a, uh, in another town called Umtata, which is also in the Eastern Cape. I'm an informatics major with a PJCS as a cognate area. Um, I got to Goshen College through uh, a Siwatsky family from Goshen that, lives, um, that lived in South Africa for over 10 years. Um, Joe and Anna Siwatsky and their four boys were missionaries when Anna, a Goshen College alumni, um, who also happens to be uh, Professor Joe Ligti's daughter, <laughs> Um, uh, made the connection for me to come to Goshen College. Um, today, under the subject um, seven leadership around the world, I will be talking about the, a few issues um, in South Africa. When I was asked to talk about some of the issues that South Africa is facing, I had to choose which issues to talk about, as I have only a limited amount of time. For over 40 years, South Africa uh, was under the system of oppression, apartheid, which means apartness, um, that ended when the first democratic election with Nelson Mandela elected as a president in, took place in 1994. This is when people of color gained political power but not economic power. After apartheid ended, there were programs that were designed to uplift the people who had over the years been oppressed and deprived of their basic human rights. Many of those programs, however, were still a way to separate the people who had benefited from apartheid from those who had suffered because of it. There are a number of people who have been influential in the history of South Africa 
those who survived apartheid, and those who died in the hands of police brutality during apartheid. Mr. Bantu Bigo is one of the people who have had a lot of influence as I continue to think about the state that South Africa is in now. Mr. Biko founded a movement called Black Consciousness that would empower and mobilize much of the urban black population. He was famous for his slogan, which says, black is beautiful, which he described as, man, you are beautiful the way you are. Start looking at yourself as a human being. Uh, Mr. Biko died in 1977 while in police custody. Like many people, Mr. Bigo died, uh, died and not lived to see the end of apartheid and the beginning of what was called freedom. After apartheid ended, there wasn't a lot of processing done. Yes, Truth uh, and Reconciliation Commission played a big role in bringing the perpetrators and the victims together to process what had happened, but only in specific areas of South Africa and not the whole country. Today, the country is still faced with racism and people are starting to wonder if Nelson Mandela walking out of prison and urging people to forgive without repentance was a mistake. But I can't seem to think things could have gotten any better had he not led the country the way he did. Among the people who I draw inspiration from are not only those who survived to make an impact, but also those who died while making an impact. Because South Africa never gained the economic power, the generation that has been blinded by empty promises started blaming people coming in from other African countries for the lack of job opportunities and not the system that has made those who are already wealthy wealthier and kept the poor in their places. This has started a big issue of xenophobia that has resulted in many people from African countries being killed in 1998, 2000, 2007, 2008, and recently 2015. Recently, I was reminded of a time when South Africa went to seek refugee from other uh, African countries during apartheid and how we are quick to forget. The response from the current leadership to xenophobia was not what we had come to expect. I think there's this misconception that those who survived playing uh, and played a big role in shaping South Africa after oppression did something that can't be repeated or, or done by other people, that no one else could pick up where they left off and, uh, left off and lead the country in the right direction. Today, young, the younger generation is realizing that the promises of a better life, education, good leadership that were made years ago were never fulfilled and now are starting to demand that the government be accountable for its actions. Education is still another big problem and it is only those who are in the process of getting education that are able to protest and demand government to make um, education accessible to everyone while the rest of the uneducated are made to believe that it is their own fault that they live in poverty and are uneducated. My dream is for as many women as possible to be educated. And my hope when I go back is working to towards making that dream a reality. 
I hope to go back and work for or start an organization that helps young women who can't get jobs because they don't have education, and those who have education but are without jobs make a better life for themselves. I am in inspired by many African women in technology, and recently the movement called Girls Who, Call, Who Code. I hope to continue this movement back at home and continue the work that has been done before us. Thank you. Um, hi, my name is Salongo. Unfortunately, Yoon could not be attending today because he's really sick and I will be reading his speech that he wrote for today. Uh, my name is Yoon Kasa, and I am a senior double major in physics and math at Goshen College. I'm an international student from a small town south of Norway called Porsgrunn, and it is about the same size as Goshen. As a kid growing up, I had the privilege to travel a lot as my parents brought me along on the way part to political meetings. At that reason, I have been almost in all of the countries in Europe. I also traveled to the United States and China. My first official meeting was when I was six months in the United States, and I traveling have been a passion ever since. I think it is, has been these experiences early on in my life of encountering different people and different cultures, val, uh, different cultures that have played a major part of making me into who I am today, the values I stand for, and what I believe in. It has also been one of the reasons why I decided to leave my comfort zone at home to pursue education abroad. As my senior year is coming to an end, I realized that I have not yet come with the answer to the million dollar question everybody asks what I will be doing after graduation. Putting that aside, I would like to us to think about Norway. For many of you, Norway might be associated with an extremely cold climate, snow all year round, skiing, polar bears, mountains, a nation of blonde hair and blue-eyed people, Vikings, and a country with very high standards of living. At least these are some of the associations that I have noticed during my time in the United States of America. Some are very correct than others. For example, skiing is very popular in the winter time, and we are definitely one of the countries with most gold medals in the Winter Olympics but we do not have winter and a cold climate all year round. Actually, considering our latitude, we have mild winters, and these last years, Goshen has been having uh, most, more colder weather than Norway. And that many people are blonde and blue-eyed, but don't ever make the mistake to believe you won't meet Norwegians that doesn't satisfy that criteria. Yoon doesn't have blue eyes. It is a fact that Norway is one of the richest countries in the world, but I want to remind you all that before we found oil and natural gas resources in 1970s, we were actually the poorest country in, the, in Europe. A few other associations that I have of Norway would be, we are a sophisticated monarchy. We have a king and a queen, the country that gives away the Nobel Peace Prize because the founder of the Nobel Peace Prize, Alfred Nobel, believed that Norway was a better suited country to do so. We have a small population of only 5 million people, despite our big land area, but because 90% of Norway is full of mountains. When I was asked to speak in this convocation today, I was also asked to bring up some struggles or current issues taking place in my home country. To my delight, uh, that was not an easy task. It is in such moments that I realize how privileged I have been and still are. The issues in Norway feel so small and incomparable to the issues of other countries. 
I want to point out that I, of course, I am limited by the lens from which I see Norway. That is one of the white ethnic Norwegian male raised in a middle class, sorry. Oh, by the way, it's not working. Which I see Norway, that is one of the white ethnic Norwegian male raised in middle class home in a country of little more than 80% ethnic Norwegians. Still, the reason I am having a tough time to come up with issues in Norway is because of the privileges that comes of being a Norwegian citizen. Norway provides free healthcare, free education, one of the smallest income gaps between rich and poor, almost no absolute poverty, good pension plans, all of which is provided by a welfare system paid by high taxes and state involvement and ownership of public goods like the petroleum industry. Consequently, Norway is one of the wealthiest countries per inhabitant and scores among the highest on most happiness indices. The one issue that I think Norway is having one of its greatest difficulties which is that of immigration, especially relevant considering all the immigrants and refugees from Syria. Immigrants that get accepted to Norway automatically gets the privileges that comes with our expensive welfare system. That means guaranteed housing, free language courses, unemployment insurance, healthcare, pension, and free education. If the number of immigrants gets too high, Norway simply will not be able to pay for the system to be so good as is today's. Such changes will affect everyone in Norway. Also, the fact that many immigrants are unable to adapt and become part of the working force, and these immigrants will, of course, be covered by welfare system and become freeloaders. This leads to the common conception of the general public that most immigrants are freeloaders. This attitude leads to an even tougher part for the immigrants to become integrated. The truth, on the other hand, is actually that the Norwegian economy is dependent on more labor force provided by the immigrants. The, the issue at hand is how can we change people's attitude towards immigrants and make it easier for immigrants to become an integrated part of the Norwegian system. My mother is actively working on addressing the issues of immigration as well as on the other difficulties Norway faces. I admire my mother, of course, for being my mother, but as much I admire for the work she puts down, what she believes in, and the results she has made and continues to make. My mother, Gunmarit Helgesen, is the president of the Association for Local and Regional Authorities in Norway and one of the most powerful women in Norway. In other words, she works for the local sector on issues of local democracy and how to empower local representatives and give them space and opportunities to develop the welfare system with local knowledge and conditions. Her work consists of an interplay and negotiations with the government to give regional and local authorities more resources, improving infrastructure, designing education programs, creating improved frameworks for kindergartners and the healthcare for the elderly addressing how to create jobs as well as how the local governments can receive immigrants and ways to ensure them jobs and successfully transition into the Norwegian society and become a real Norwegian citizen. Her work also includes initiatives and incentives for women's rights, gender equality and equal representation of women in the workforce, politics and position of power. Recognition for her good work in Norway had been rewarded by becoming the vice president of the European Council, working on the same issues as she does in Norway for all of Europe. What I have found to be the most inspiring with my mother and the reason I find her to be a servant leader is her abilities to put her ideals and beliefs above any thoughts of personal plan and gain. 
She lives by this conduct of honesty and dignity and possesses a passion for long-term changes to create an improved society that will empower every individual and for generations to come. She believes that it's worth the sacrifice and she is willing to face the adversity by other politicians, political organs, and the media. It is leaders like my mother and other great leaders in the world that inspire me to be the best that I can be and repay the effort that they are putting down to make the world better for my generation. Regardless if I'm staying in the US, United States of America or in Norway, I know I want to share this vision and do my share to make this world a better place for all of us. Thank you. Hey, all. I assume most of you know me and know where I'm from, but the instruction says I should introduce myself again. So I'm Sarah Zuni from Palestine, freshman, majoring in nursing with pre-med track. Also, I had been told I had been told to tell you wonderful things about my country, but it's hard to describe a place you have never been to. So I will say that I'm sure about Palestine, it's pretty. You can see it through my eyes. Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Gaza, Akka, Hebron, Nazareth, Tabaria, Haifa, and Galil. But, you know, I miss my mom's cooking. You don't know how Palestinian dishes taste, but you'll have the opportunity to taste a Kobe version of my mom's food in the coffee house. So you guys should come. My last convo, I shared with you my family story, but since the title for today's convo is Servant Leadership, I will focus more on that. And I will start with a question. What does it look like to be a leader in a, in a war country like Palestine? Let's start with the most popular leader in Gaza, Sheikh Ahmed Yassin. Sheikh Ahmed Yassin is a Palestinian imam and politician. Yassin, a quadriplegic who was nearly blind, had used a wheelchair since a sport accident at age 12. He was a founder of Hamas, an Islamist Palestinian paramilitary organization and political party. Maybe some of you have negative ideas about Hamas, but actually Hamas gained popularity in Palestinian society by establishing hospital, education system, libraries, and other services. Maybe when you hear the word Palestine, the image will come to your mind as war. But in Palestine, as any other places around the world, is people who love life. They are doctors, writers, singers, and actors. Talking about recent news, 26 years old, Muhammad Assaf, for example. Assaf is a Palestinian pop singer, well known for being the winner of the second season of Arab Idol TV show. We have Arab Idol too, so. <laughs> in 2013, Assaf was named a goodwill ambassador for peace by the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugee, UNRWA. He was also named ambassador for culture and art by the Palestinian government and was offered a position with diplomatic standing. This month, Mohammed Assaf performs in a charity concert tour in the U.S., organized by Peace, the Palestinian Children Care, sponsored by Rahma Relief Foundation, the Peace Corps Benefit Tour 2016, will include eight major U.S. cities. And I'm here. But uh, all proceeds will go to a scholarship fund of Al-Quds University, 
dialysis care in Gaza, and clinics pharmacies for Palestinian and Syrian refugees in Lebanon. The third leader I will mention is a Palestinian-American actor, comedian, known as one of the American first Muslim women comedians, Maysoon Zayed. Um, she started her TED talk saying she is not drunk, but the doctor who delivered who deliver her was. As a result, she has a cerebral policy. She shakes all the time. Go check her TED talk, it's hilarious. My son spent three months a year in Palestine running an arts program for disabled and orphaned children in refugee camps. She helps the children, the children use art to deal with trauma and bridge the gap between disabled and non-disabled children. 80% of the funding for the camps come from her committee work. And a lot of other people. Mohamed Ziyara, a doctor, youth advisor, filmmaker, humanitarian activist, public speaker, and mostly known for his online education and motivational, uh, motivational videos. Malaka Shweigh was elected by university students with the highest number of votes since the establishment of the establishment of Shifal Students' Union for the position of education officer. She made the Students' Union, which represents seven million students in the UK, pass a motion to join the global boycott, divestment, and sanction BDS campaign against Israel. Hanith Algia obtained a FIFA master and employed by FIFA. She had been chosen to be the new champion for peace by peace and sport. Tamim al Barghouti, a poet, columnist, and political scientist. He is known for the capacity of his poetry to draw attention about the Palestinian suffering. And here, I'm picking the youngest, just to make a point that being a leader in your community is not about age. It's also interesting how our leader can't be separated from the politics problem problems over there. What's going on there is our identity. Palestine leader, Palestinian leaders become leaders for Palestine. We know that our country made us what we are, so we at least should give some of what we have back. We reach the sky, put our names beside the stars, and repeat free Palestine. I am the son of Palestinian refugees who were fortunate enough to immigrate to Canada. And I was raised on the imperative that if we Palestinians, who were lucky enough to grow up in one of the world's most progressive societies and receive education in amongst the best institutions in the world. If we don't come back to Palestine to help out, who will? Who will? From this place, I believe in myself that I will be a leader to help my country in the future. Thank you. Habariako from Kisumu, Kenya. 안녕하세요, from South Korea. Ni Hao from China. And Namaste from India. Um, we are part of the ISC club and we're here to invite you to the International Coffee House that is being held this Saturday. Um, apparently, yeah, clap. So apparently for the Miss Universe beauty pageant, the um, tickets were, they started at like $75 and they went up to about $250. Uh, students can pay $10 and old people can pay $18 to um, come and see people who are just as attractive on stage. So consider buying tickets. Uh, tickets are available 
at www.goshen.edu slash tickets or at the Goshen College Welcome Center, or you can dial 574-535-7566. We're also going to be selling tickets at the ROT today and on Friday, so please come and buy tickets. All the money that we earn is going to go towards uh, Syrian refugees to help people who are actually still in Syria, so it's a good cause. And please look at those pictures on the PowerPoint. It's pretty cool.